Hi, I'm Gino Caffarelli. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and now author of a new book uh, called Athena Visits the Marina, inspired by my daughter. And you're now listening to Growing Up Italian, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? Hello to all the fans. Hello, hello. You are now listening to the Growing Up Italian podcast with actor, filmmaker, and now author, Gino Caffarelli. A dear friend to Growing Up Italian. Thank you so much. For Gino from Clubhouse. <laughs> Gino from Clubhouse. Yeah, the, the newly uh, the newly new uh, forum called Clubhouse. But we, we knew each other before Clubhouse. We, we, yeah, we, we met. We met. We met and spoke before Clubhouse. Yeah. How you doing, Sabino and Michaela? How are you guys? It's a pleasure, Gino. Always Thank you. I'm so happy to be. I'm so happy to be here. It, this has been a long time coming. We've been talking about doing this for a while. So um, I'm glad we finally made it happen. Last time uh, we got messed up with the snow. But uh, here we are. We're here. And I just said, uh, my belly's full. I had a nice panini. <laughs> couple glasses of wine. Couple glasses of wine. Well, I should say uh, paper uh, cups. Yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, there's some yummy yumminess going in in the uh, cup here. But also, more importantly, that panini sandwich that I kind of kind of created today on my own, right? I just yeah, like, it was oh, a little different. It was a little different. I said... Uh, a little chin colored Sabino, Yeah, Sabino called me up. He says, what do you want for lunch? We'll prepare it now so when you get there, it'll be all set. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, should I go old school cold cuts or should I go straight up chicken cutlet like you were talking about? So I'm like, flavor of like chicken cutlet, panini style. I said, throw in a little fresh mutz, some, uh, some tomato, right? And uh, one slice of prosciutto. So, Just for the little saltiness, right? You know? So I think we're gonna call that the Janut's panini, from what I'm hearing. I like about, it. Right? I like it. That's what I hear. It's a good name. <laughs> I like it. So, me and Gino, we've been talking for a while, but recently on Clubhouse, I'm sure you guys heard it on this uh, podcast already. But we always host these fun rooms, and Gino, whenever he jumps in, is great. You make a great moderator. You really know how to. Gauge the convo, the, bob, the bobbing and weaving. Yeah, the exactly. And weaving, you know the, what I'm uh, saying? Like direct where we're going with it, and um, the Jones Beach undertow. You know the wave that hits <laughs> you when like and, like it comes out of nowhere, and like oh shit, where'd that come from? Oh, that guy. Okay. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we we've been uh we've been like we basically did like 50 of these podcasts already, but uh, in Clubhouse, you know, like where. Yeah, that's like an open forum now to just kind of like discuss, like, you know, it, sometimes it starts in, uh, you start talking about one thing and then you go down the rabbit hole, but sometimes you discover like all this, this amazing stuff about people that you kind of know, but you don't know because you start finding out more about people, which is incredible, which is awesome. Like I was supposed to go to bed last night and instead of texting you, I was like, oh, he's in a room right now. They're growing up a time. He's got a room going on. Let me just go in there and say hello to Sabina. Say, I'll, I'll, I'll catch you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We're on for tomorrow because we scheduled it a couple of weeks ago. But that was like, I got in there and then I stayed in there for a little while before I went to bed. And I, we had a couple I, of good guys. And, yeah, there was a couple of good guys in there and just like it just went off very organically and it was awesome. Yeah, was, I always have a great time in there, especially espresso time because uh, I'm usually uh, I've been shooting on a, on a TV uh, gig uh, recently in the last couple of months and so every time I caught the espresso time, it was always like on break, break on break or when it was espresso time. time. And it was like coffee time, like always like during that day of how I was working that week. So um, I would always enjoy coming into that room. I always looked forward to it. So, Well, we always love having you. And um, I got pretty familiar with you. Like I know your whole story, but I want to show everybody else what you're all about now. We're also going to plug in a book. But first, I want to talk about your whole story, your whole upbringing, being an Italian-American, first generation, off-the-boat parents. Yeah, you speak and Italian, I, and I take and I, and I hold that very proudly. Of like, uh, you know, you know, where a lot of you know people, you know, shunned away from that, or do shun away from it still, or even back in the day, kind of like, you know, well, they didn't, you know, they didn't want me to speak, you know, a second language. They wanted me to speak English. Like, I'm extremely proud of, of being uh, Italian American, first generation. My parents were born and raised in, in a small town called Pietra Pertosa in the southern part of Italy. 
part of La Provincia di Potenza, which is in the Basilicata region. Yeah, yeah. So it's very rare that, um, you know, because I, you know, growing up Italian in, you know, high school, grammar school, college, you know, you grew up with, you know, people of Italian ethnicity. They would always have different, you know, upbringing, uh, you know, like my dad was from Naples or my mom was from Bari. But with the beautiful thing when I feel that, I, you know, the you know, that I look at it as an adult now, not that I didn't appreciate it when I was younger, but the beautiful thing about that is that it's very rare and authentic and genuine that you have, you know, the same, you know, bloodline coming from the same small town, from the same city, from the same region in Italy, both my mother and my dad. That does, that's that rarely. Very rare. We were talking about this yesterday. Yeah, that rarely happens today. And, you know, it's like, you know, kind of like that one in a million type of scenario. So uh, I look at it as a, 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 the most amazing quality is being brought up in New York and as an American but my parents being from, you know, from that part of the boot, from the same town, from the same city, in the same region, Italy, I hold that very near and dear to me. And I still, you know, I have a lots, lots. How, of how old there. were your parents when when they came here? Did they so, marry here? Or yeah. They, well, I mean, you know, it's funny, and I can, and I could talk about it because you know what? If I let my mom listen to the podcast, which I will, I'd be like, because it was a joke about twenty years ago. So my parents got married in 1968 in Astoria, Queens, at the Astoria Manor. A block away from where they had their first apartment, which I, where I grew up as a kid in Astoria, up until I was about eight, before my parents bought their first house in Flushing. And in Astoria, there was this diner right across the way um, called Neptune Diner. And right in the middle... I know Neptune Avenue, Diner. <laughs> right in the middle is, is a statue of Christopher Columbus, which they, they, they tried to deface a few times already, which is, boggles my mind, of course. So from like where Christopher Columbus statue is to Neptune Diner to where my parents' apartment was, again, they, they came the, to America, got married at Astoria Manor in 1968, in July of 1968 to be exact. And I was born February of 1969. So if you really calculate the months from like... Oh, they had you, they had you brewing before that. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I look at my, my parents' like wedding book about 20 years ago just to look at it you know again. what's funny is i guarantee you all the old towns were like wait hold on oh they were uh, calculating oh they were calculating <laughs> like, wait that's so, six months but i go to my mom about 20 years ago and i go I, you know i looked at the book again i you know this is beautiful this is great the wedding at astoria 1968 july 27th of 1968 i go wait a second and i started doing the math then went july august september october september i'm like wait that's like six months i was born in february I'm like wait a second ma you were pregnant when you had me and you were pregnant when you got married. Who told you that? <laughs> Be like, well, look, man. Look, she started like to ask them out. What they say, ask them out. You know, in Italian, they like, say, ask them out. Like, you know, like, look at the, like, I'm like, no, my, like, you know, my, go to school. Like, you know, like, that's, you know, I go to. So your grandma. parents were married in Astoria, lived in Astoria. Yeah. So you grew up in Astoria? I grew up in Astoria up until I was about eight. Yeah. So was was Astoria like predominantly Italian at that point? Italian and Greek. Greek. Okay. Because yeah, yeah. I know now is kinda... it's predominantly Greek, Greek. but, but I still, know... there's still a, a nice amount of Italian roots okay, there. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, Bronx Tale, I always think about Bronx Tale and Astoria on 30th Avenue. It, it, it was filmed. It was it's filmed, funny. It yeah. was filmed on 30th Avenue, right? 30th mm -hmm. Ave. Right by St. Joe's. Yes, and uh, that church uh, where they doubled up for Mount Carmel because, like, that was the church in, in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but that's that's so amazing because I used to go there, like, just to, like, you know, I was, like, you know, what, 1920 at the time, and, like, I would drive into a story to watch them film that. That was 1991, 92, I think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was, you know, again, it's a Bronx tale, but they filmed it in You Queens. actually were in, in the Bronx tale, right? That was my very first, that was my very first professional job as an actor on a set. I was I knew nothing about being in like the you know Screen Actors Guild or Union, and it was an open call to be in like this extra scene, and they shot it in Yonkers, and it was supposed to be the Bronx, and I got casted out of like this like network that was like auditioning in Queens. So yeah, I got paid like thirty bucks to like to, like work. So you're on in it. the movie. No, they could cut cut that the extra scene out, which okay. I didn't even care about. It but he still got paid, and it was still it was thirty bucks. I was like, I was just starting out in in, in the uh, in the world of acting and filmmaking, and I was watching De Niro twenty feet away from me on a yeah. walkie-talkie. Yeah. Giving that's goals to right there. Yeah, it was like I was just like zoned in on what he was doing, and of course, like I was like, you know, you know, I was like, you know, I wish I was that actor right now, like talking. You know, taking direction from De Niro. Manif I was, manifesting it. 
but 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 again, the 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 the, the truth of uh, you know manifesting was 15 years after that, he winds up casting me in a, a second film that he directed called The Good Shepherd, which I actually went in and read for as a, as a professional actor, and he handpicked me from like a con- couple hundred people to play Joe Pesci's bodyguard in The Good, Sh- Good Shepherd, and the guy in the scene with Joe Pesci was Tommy DeVito from The Jersey Boys. Which What's I didn't wrong? know at the time. Like he's like, yeah, Joe, Joe, you know, he, he has me come with him all the time, and I'm like, he's like, yeah, I'm working on this thing called the Jersey Boys, and I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, it's a musical. Joe founded kind of like the Jersey, and it was like just beginning Crazy. for the musical, and I was on the set of The Good Shepherd, and um, De Niro directed, and he handpicked me to like to do this uh, a couple of scenes with Matt Damon and Joe Pesci, and they wound up keeping one one scene from the movie. When I told him that I was an extra in a Bronx Tale, he was like, what? And that was like 15 years later. So I watched him direct and talk into a walkie-talkie in, in uh, 1992. And in 2005, that's a long time after, almost 15 years, he's directing me in The Good Shepherd. That's the beautiful thing about sticking it, you know, it's, you know sticking it through in, you know, what you believe in as an artist, whether it be, you know, musician, actor, filmmaker, you know, whatever it may be. Just like, fo- you know, follow through and um, kind of always like stick to it because, Life does come full circle. And I have a lot of those full circle scenarios, um, you know, growing up um, in, in my life, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the, I think it's like kind of the story of an underdog, you know, that you come from the grassroots and you basically forced your way in. Like you worked your way into being who you are today. Yeah, I was, uh, uh, you know, I was never given the, you know, the, um, you know, the key to the city type, you know, type of, you know, say that people kind of like, or, or nepotism. My, you know, my, my dad, you know, is retired. God bless him. He turned 80. Went to a rough little year. He had a quadruple bypass and he's doing great. He's 80, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to like, God I bless. still have my parents. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, they come from a different world being that they came from Italy. My dad, again, being an artist himself, uh, bricklayer, uh, Mason, uh, brownstones in, 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 uh, Lower East Side, Greenwich Village that you would look at and be like, he did this by hand or by eye. So I appreciate it more today. Um, he, tile, marble, he was an artist in his own way and being an artist, you know, uh, as a filmmaker and an act, uh, actor, filmmaker, is, is there's, 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 a, there's a certain, you know, you craft it. Like my dad crafted that way of, you know, making a living where, of course, the hardest part of growing, and we spoke about it. In the, the this is probably going to be the clip that you're going to see on Instagram. It's, but. Very, it's very, you know, it's hard because they, they want, of course, parents always want the best for you. But if you have it in your heart and in your, in your, your perseverance to like feel like you've been called to do something, you follow that with your heart. You know, I I I I, I, I kind of balanced it for a long time. You know, I gee, went, does does your does your do your parents feel you have a real job, or did it take a while for them to say this is this is a good question? <laughs> you know, you know what? If I, I, I'm still struggling with it well, too. Uh, so you know, that's if I, why. If I, if I if I call my mother now and I got her on the phone, a she doesn't have an iPad. They don't do the iPad thing or the iPhone thing. I can't even Facetime. So they got the like, flip. Yeah, the they flip got phone my, yeah they got the old school flip phone, but. <laughs> You know, I have these conversations with them, you know, when I'm in, in, in their presence and I tell them, I'm go, I go, you know, they, 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 they get it, but they don't get it. I think they'll never, you know, they'll never get it, but not that they won't support you, but you could hear the enthusiasm, I guess, in their voices when they get the phone call, like, oh, well, you just saw Gino in this, on this TV thing, or I saw Gino on this movie that, is he, isn't he working on that, that they just talked about on this? So it like, the news gets out there, which is fantastic, and that's not why I've ever gotten into this business because of the press, but to like have other family members like call my mom and, and, and say that, but that's how she finds out the news, even though I tell her every day, like, I'm going to work. Like, I'm like, I'm working on this. Oh, you still got that going? Like, yeah, that's... That's, <laughs> that's not like, going anywhere. <laughs> that's not going anywhere. Like, that's what I've been professionally doing for like the last 20 years, like as my income, as, you know, as a filmmaker and an actor and a, you know, you know, you know, in the artistic community, you know, it's the acting and filmmaking is not only what I do. I just, you know, just launched a, a, a children's book, working on another a packaging, another children's book for a great author. Uh, and um, that's that's you know my life is is in the creative realm where, again, I conformed. You know I I went to uh, an, a, a Catholic grammar school growing up in Queens. I go to uh, an old boy high school. What, what school Holy did Cross. you go to? St. Mel's in grammar school. Wow. Then I go to then I go to Holy Cross. 
high school, all boy. I was going to say Holy Cross. That's Holy yeah. Cross. And I didn't make prep. And I didn't make Holy Cross my Rock, first Rocco time. Rocco went to prep. Rocco went to sort of my sister, but... They call they called prep the the Battle of the Boulevards, the Terriers versus the Knights. I'd rather be a knight than a terrier, but I would just say that. But anyway, <laughs> even though prep, my first prep my had all the my girls. First, <laughs> my first girlfriend, my 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 prom date was from I went to the Saint Saint Francis Prep, eighty seven and Holy Cross Prep with a girl. I'm not gonna say which, her name. Which uh, prom but was she was better. Italian. Which they, prom they, was better? They G. were both great and um she was gorgeous. She broke my heart. I'm not gonna say her name. But she broke my heart, Italian girl. From you ain't Washington. getting that from us. Uh, she broke my heart, and um, she's a beautiful girl. Like, but again, Italian girls back then, and still now, always beautiful. Like, it's just, like, I grew up at a very different time. Like, it was just like, that's what the movie Cruise is about, which is a whole different subject. But I grew up in a very different time of that. So growing up in that kind of, like, realm of, like, conforming grammar school, high school, you know, and then college, you know, I go to St. John's for pharmacy, and after two years, I pretty much say, like, this is not what I'm supposed to do. And I always knew I wasn't supposed to be a pharmacist. So I wind up going on a 10-year program and taking a business degree program mm -hmm. and then going to work for corporate America and companies while I was in school still. So I was basically working for corporate America. I was supposed to have the four-year degree, got the job without them knowing I had the four-year degree to finish my business degree because I was like, if I'm going to, like, you know, you know, start working. I'm gonna finish my degree, like, cause my parents, they're like, you gotta go to school, you gotta get a degree. I'm like, I got my degree. I was on ten year plan, but I got my degree, but that was not like I, I that's not what I wanted to do. After so, like, how did you fit acting into all this? Uh, go, you know, working full time, finishing a degree, and then uh, put your real in, passion, put, putting in ninety hours a week, like in your regular job, and then having another ninety hours a week. Again, I know I'm being, you know, like I'm not using real numbers, but you know, like overload work, work ethic. Like I was, I was, you know, I was working for like Sprint at the time. I was an, I was a sales rep. I was the top sales rep at Sprint PCS in 1997, and at that time, I'm thinking of all these crazy ways to kind of like get on radio. I wind up getting on radio and then like wind up like doing this comedic stuff, which will lead to doing a song for the Yankees. And then. Yeah. So for everybody listening, Gino played a major role. Well, exactly. You wrote the song or. Well, like, uh, what exactly? Were, okay. So the um, very good friend of mine who I know 40 years and been working with for 40 is Carmen Uch, AKA Carmine Famigletti lives down a block, uh, used to live down, well, still lives on 33rd Avenue, but I grew up on 33rd Avenue in Flushing. And he grew up down the block. Fil fantastic filmmaker, actor. Um, we were always kind of like close about the whole filmmaking thing. He was actually my brother's age. So he lives down the block. Um, I start producing Murder Mysteries while I'm working for Sprint after I was working for like Saturn, the car company in the 90s. And I start producing like Murder Mystery Theater in Queens at the Queens, uh, Queens Plaza Hotel by LaGuardia, I'm doing murder mysteries. And I cast auditions in the city, and I get Carmine to like help me out. And Carmine like starts you know, writing uh, uh, this murder song, mystery. Huh? No, well, well, murder the, mystery. Murder mystery was first? Yeah, it was, it was the murder mystery thing first. Mm -hmm. And then we start casting auditions for this murder mystery that we, we, we wind up doing. And we meet Joe, who winds up later on two years, a couple of years after that, becoming Joey Balls. So now we meet through like the audition process. I'm like, we're doing this murder mystery. We meet Joe. And we just build this camaraderie of like, you know, gelling and working great together, doing these like plays at at the Queens uh, um, Hotel by LaGuardia and doing these murder mysteries. And we start like developing this relationship where we start doing musical comedy. And they basically write a Christmas song inspired by me because... You know, my nickname That's, uh, the on my first well, days of Christmas, my pies on gave to me. So they... <laughs> That, that was on KTU. I mean, well, it still is. That's still, right? That still song play. is still relevant to this day. It's, it's crazy. Still, it's still on rotation around Christmas yeah, yeah, yeah. time. It's, it's, it's crazy because that basically kind of brought us into um, whether, you know, the content world of like radio. We, again, there was no YouTube or anything like that back in like 1998, 99. And um, they wind up writing this song and they're going to perform it at a comedy club in Manhattan. They knew that I was going to be there. So like Gino's gonna be in the audience tonight. 
it was like an homage to like, you know, we were doing murder mysteries and then I kind of lost touch with them for a little bit. I was, you know, I, I, I got involved with, you know, you get, you, you get lost in like, you know, your way of life, of like girlfriend. But I was going to go see them as this comedy group. And they were like, well, Gino's going to be in the audience. We're going to like want to like sing him a song. And it was during the holidays. And they say, and we have the videotape. It was like 1998. And they go, you know, we got a good uh, friend of ours in the audience, Gino, Janutz, this is for you. And they start doing this Christmas song. So, of course, my bells start going off, and I'm like, wait a second. That's, like, a fucking fantastic, like, Christmas song. I'm like, I'm going to, like, pitch it to radio, like, get it on the radio. And I wind up bluffing, and I could talk about it today because, like, if they listen to the podcast and they, they hear about it, it's like it was a bluff. Um, I go to KTU, and they're like, ah, oh, we don't know. We, we might, we might want to do it a different way and get, like, a Frank Sinatra impersonator to do it. I go, no, 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 no. The whole fun of it is having Joey Balls and Carmen Ups sing the song. Yeah, 100%. That's what that's makes the it. whole flavor of like the main, like you know, like Frank Sinatra in person. I'm going, nah, I go to Howard Stern. He wants to do it as is. No, 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 don't do that. And next morning we go to KTU and then the whole song blows up. And then we wind up patch- packaging a CD and then we put it out at the feast the following year. And we put a bonus. Did you sell a lot of CDs of that? Yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember the CDs well, were, so were we, huge. We were singing a Christmas song in uh, September. <laughs> uh, you know you're doing something, right? Dude, 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 it's like so, so singing Christmas so then songs. The Yankee song came after that. Well, it's, the, the story starts even getting better than that because Rockaluch, take it easy there, right? We got 12 right. minutes. Oh, uh, we got 12 minutes. No, no, you're good. You're good. Um, so Joey Balls, Carmenuch, Joe, Carmine, Janutz, me, we're at the St. Gennaro feast. We're performing a Christmas song in September, and we have a small little booth and. This is 1998, and etched on the on the front of the of the booth, it was a 10 by 10 booth. It was a small booth. It was the first year at the feast. We almost didn't get the booth because we got flagged by the organizers of the feast. They're like, "What's this Guido Christmas you want to sell?" Like, it's just a parody of like growing up. So the CD, the CD just had that one song. No, we had a bonus track called "How You Doing," but it wasn't a Yankee song yet. It was just called "How You Doing." Just "How You Doing." How was that song originally? How did it go? Um, I'm hanging out in, in the club. I got so drunk. I wake up the next morning. I find a twenty dollar bill in my pocket. I didn't know it was even there. How you doing? You know, like <laughs> it was just a funny song. I get it. I get it. So, you know, the fact you know it's not even out there. Like we, I don't even think we have it on YouTube. Like it's on the original album. It was just having fun growing up in New York, going to the feast, going to clubs. Um. So Joey's like, like in the, on the mic and he's looking into the crowd and there's like this guy that's not buying the CD and he's like, he's like trying to like shy off and he's like, I don't worry, Joey, Joey's on the mic and he's like, yeah, you're probably like one of those LBI guys that hangs out in Long Island, whatever. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Turns out he winds up buying the CD and a week later, there was no, again, my, the cell phone, I had a cell phone, but on the CD, I had put a 212 number as a voicemail service. So anyone that bought the CD, if they called a 212 number, I would check the voicemail every day. If anyone called, like, a, you know, whoever. That's so call. weird. I know. Well, isn't yeah. that crazy weird, right? It's so thing. Like, yeah, it was yeah. called How You Doing Entertainment. Uh, it was registered under, like, my, my, my incorporation, like, you whatever. You were very ahead of the game. E- exactly. And, very and, ahead. And, and you know what the name of the website was? Which I'm, 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 How You Doing.com? No, it was, <laughs> it was Guidoland.com. Jesus. Crazy. So what happened? Someone left a voicemail saying that. Guy leaves a voicemail. He goes, hi, my name is Charlie Wansowitz. I'm not going to forget the name. He goes, I work with the Yankees, and I, I'm the guy that, that Joey was picking on on the microphone, and I think you guys are fucking hilarious. And I bought the CD, and I worked for the Yankees, and I played it for all the plays in the locker room. And they love this Guido Christmas song, but they're, like, fucking fixated on this How You Doing song. And I go, oh, well, that was kind of like a, like a joke, like a bonus track to, like, because you can't sell a CD. With just one single, song. Single, yeah, single. So we put like, I think it was like three songs on it and we sold it for like six bucks or whatever. And the bonus track was called How You Doing? And it was just about growing up in New York and growing up, like how I grew up. Like, you know, I, you know I'm at, you know, the guy's got a great social puppy here. How you doing? Whatever. It was it's just funny. a regular look, look funny who's, song. Look who's calling you. It's so there. funny. And he goes, um, could you send us like a, a box of like CDs, like 30 CDs? And I go, me being the crazy marketer. How, mu- how much are you paying? <laughs> See, I'm no. like, wait, okay, I'll do it for 150. Right, so, 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 me, this is what I'm thinking, right? Because there's no, there's no, there's no social media, and I'm like, it's 1998, 99, and I'm going, um, 
he leaves the voicemail. He goes, um, we're we're, uh, we're going to be in Baltimore, and uh, if you could like ship like thirty CDs, all the players want this "How You Doing" song. They love the Christmas song, but this "How You Doing" song, they're all laughing. How you doing? How you doing? And of course, Carmine and Joe were like, "This How You Doing" thing." When we were recording the song, they were like, "Like this will never work." Meanwhile, that's the song that caught on. So, I go, "Well, we're 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 actually going to be doing a signing for a CD in in Baltimore." We'll personally drop off the CDs at Camden Yards if you're playing the Orioles. I said, well, we'll drop off the CDs. We had no business saying yeah. that we were guys doing a signing. We got in a van, drove it takes It takes, the moral of the story, it takes balls to well, make sure that. We, we were driving there. As we're driving there, they're like, the, the guy who said, oh, I'm trying to set up this whole thing. Like, I got I to gotta run it by Joe. I got to run it by Joe. Joe Torrey. To make sure we can get you guys in the clubhouse to give out the CDs, and like we're still driving to Baltimore, not knowing. I'm waiting for what my, the hell we're doing. I'm waiting for my Sprint phone to go off to be like, oh yeah, Joe's gonna be okay with it. Just we're driving to Baltimore, and we wind up getting. This is the playoffs, though, or no? Yeah, it was. It was October. It was wow. October. They were just going into the playoffs. They clinched in Baltimore, and they wind up playing the Texas Rangers. So, as we get to Baltimore, me, Joe Carmine, we're, we're walking through the clubhouse in Baltimore, and the whole joke was we couldn't find. The stadium, and it was called Camden Yards, and we, the whole joke was can't find them yards because <laughs> yeah. we couldn't find the stadium. Can't find them because we would ask people, like, "Excuse me, where's Camden Yards?" They're like, "Ah, it's over." Because if you ask where Yankee Stadium or like City, there was Camden no there was no GPS back no, then. Like, you had to print like, oh, the map. Uh, it's over there. I'm like, I'm like, isn't that a big stadium here in this city? You shouldn't be able to. Miss so them. we get there, and it was the, one of the most surreal experiences, like being a Met fan, and of course they found out that we were Met fans. It was, it was that was the whole inside joke. We're sitting in the dugout with all the players, and they're all stretching. This is 1999 now. They're all stretching on the field. They're like, those are the guys. Those are the guys. And we're like, what the, why are they pointing? And we're like, me and Joe Carmine, we're like, we got pictures. We're in the dugout. We're like, why, why are they looking at us? Then and like, and like, they all bum-rushed us after they were like stretching. Like, you guys are hilarious, man. That How You Doing song, Jeter, Brocious, David Cohn, Tino Martinez, like all like the greats from like that era. They're like, you guys got CD. Gina was like, he was by the water cooler. He's like, you guys got those CDs for us, right? I'm like, yeah, we got them. Going to the clubhouse, we're giving out, giving out the CDs. They're like, you got Knobloch like chewing on the CD, like putting it in his like CD player back then. And we're driving home, and I go, you know what? This is a great opportunity to like maybe turn the How You Doing song a into Yankee a Yankee song. song with the whole Yankee, New York, New York Yankees with How You Doing. And that's all three of us. Came up with the concept of like making it a Yankee song. Joe and Carmen going to the studio, I think, that very night. Knock out a Yankee song. We send it to Yankee Stadium while they're playing the Texas. Texas how, how did you do this back then? On a, on a CD or something? On a CD yeah. and, and hand deliver it to the stadium. Yeah, that's what you had to do back then. There's like no emailing a, a song, right? Straight to the stadium. We're like, I'm at like at the gate with like Carmenuch. Joe, Joe was bartending in the city. Like me and Carmenuch are like, we're dropping off a CD for the guys. It's like it's a present for like, you know, thanking them for the. You know, this hospitality in, uh, in in Baltimore. And me, Carmine, and Joe were all at separate, like, locations at our homes. We were watching them clinch on, on ESPN. And we're sitting there at home. And I was married at the time. And I'm sitting there uh, watching ESPN. They're clinching. And I'm watching in the locker room. And ESPN, you hear, din, din, how you doing? I'm like, what the? And I'm, it's on ESPN. I go, like, Carmine calls me up. Joe calls me up. He goes, you hear what's going on in the locker room? They're blasting the Yankees song. After they That's clinched. crazy. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then after that, it just kind of like took off. And that so was that, how did that go? Like, KT, you picked it up? Or? Because I remember I hearing mean, that on the radio. Yeah, yeah, it well, was you know more what, than again, them playing well, it there's, the there's, 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 there's so much more to that story. Like, a Donnie Einer from Columbia Sony Records called us up. I thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. I sat in front of Donnie Einer with Joan Carmine. He was listening to the song. We were like bouncing off the, the, the sofa. He's going like, give us a day. We want to like sign you guys as a comedy group. I'm like... What's going on here? Like, he's like, yeah, me and Tommy Mottola were listening to you guys on the radio. You guys are hilarious, but we're like, we're like, we're just like goofy actors, like playing, <laughs> like playing like roles. Like, we're not even supposed to be in this office, because every musician in their lifetime would want to be in front of either Tommy Mottola or Donny Einer. And here we are. They're like, you guys are hilarious. This how you doing thing? And then finally, two guys by the name of Jesse Itzler and Kenny Dichter from Alphabet City Records who wind up getting involved with SFX, who wind up after signing us, sending us to another uh, a label, brokering the deal, wind up becoming Wheels Up, Marquee Jet, 
and um, uh, Zika Water, like that whole group of like guys that signed yeah. us, are like are the are the biggest business entrepreneurs to this day. Like from like seeing us and like grabbing us and saying you guys are funny, and they broke that deal, and they're doing very well today. They they saw the concept of how you're doing, and it took us to a certain point. But you know, again, it was like kind of like a fad, but it, it's kind of set a trend. Which I always kind of like. It's a, it always like it's always a door opener. It's like you know, not everything's gonna close the deal. It was, it was great. Uh, it was a great concept, but it really didn't showcase what, let's say, you know, Carmine and I or Joe were really capable of doing. Which took us 20 years later to becoming, you know, the the actors and the filmmakers that we are today. That's a great story, man. Yeah. I, obviously, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, and I remember like that Yankee run. I I remember hearing that song all the time because even my cousin. That's a Yankee fan would always sing it. So, you know, yeah, well, people thought, you know, people, especially people, even like at Carmen and Joe, we, we, we joke about it still to this day. They're like, oh, yeah, that how you doing thing will never work, that concept. I, I basically took it and made it a trademark. I trademarked it. People are like, you really can't trademark a phrase. We've heard it in movies, Cyanide Fever. But everybody Rocky. makes shirts, how you doing too. So you own that? Well, again, the, the, the funny thing, when, when I started selling, or when, when we started selling shirts at St. Gennaro, there were original How You Doing shirts, and it said trademark, because it was officially yeah. trademarked in, like, 1999. But then, then friends with the Joey thing, they started selling shirts with NBC. And, again, this can go into a whole different world of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Like, Johnny Cochran was supposed to be our lawyer, because they... The whole trademark thing with the shirts and with Budweiser, they came out with the How You Doing commercial. Remember the, the, remember the WhatsApp commercial? WhatsApp, yeah, yeah, And they did the How You Doing commercial. All these little phrases. That was Scream. Yeah. Well, actually, it was uh, the um, scary movie. Yeah. It was not really Scream. It was a scary movie, but it was that character. Yeah, but those, that, 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 whole, uh, that whole era of like the WhatsApp, they, they started doing these How You Doing commercials. And um, we were like... like Joe Carmine and I, we, we, we're actors. Like, we never got called in for an audition, and we're like, they're doing this How You Doing movie. If you really backtrack the whole story, Budweiser was a big sponsor at Yankee Stadium. How You Doing, the song, played at Yankee Stadium. They wind up doing the, the How You Doing commercial after the Yankee song, How You Doing? And what do you think people do? And I don't give a fuck because I'm going to talk about it because, to me, it's like, it's a, it's a, it's a bullshit like, move. They're like, oh, these guys are doing this How You Doing concept we can do this how you doing commercial. They don't even call us in for an audition. Not even not even like come in for an audition and they wind up like casting actors and if they really did their homework because the internet was still the internet back in like 99, you would Google, you could Google us like we were actors. That's what we did. They were characters we were, we were portraying. Janutes, Joey Balls and Kamenuch were characters. So you don't call us in on an audition. It's the same story yeah. that, that and then, we hear and then, over and over. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, then we wind up speaking to Johnny Cochran before he passes away. And we were going to, like, they're like, oh, so they stole the concept from you guys. Like, this whole how you doing thing. And I'm like, yeah, of course they did. They're like, oh, so you guys made it a product. You guys made it a shirt. You guys made it a song. CD. You guys made a CD. You made it a product you actually touch. And then they wind up doing a commercial after that. And I don't blame Budweiser. I blame the ad agency that got involved. That was whoever hired whoever to write the ad campaign because they could easily have been like, let's call in the How You Doing guys at the Yankee song. That's what it should have been. That, exactly. Yeah. And I, you know what? It, to me, it's not going to affect me in any way if this gets out there because that's the truth what happened. Like, they didn't come to us and be like, oh, Joe, Carmen, and Joe, you guys are actors. Come in and audition. Or, better yet, we're going to audition you guys, but you guys are hilarious, so we're going to give you guys the commercial because you guys are actors, right? Mm -hmm. No, that didn't happen. So they wind up taking our concept and stealing it. And they're like, oh, you see that How You Doing commercial? Yeah, because it was a national commercial. We were just East Coast, Connecticut, Jersey, uh, New York. And then we started going into Toronto, like all the major East, you know, Northern American East Coast cities that knew the How You Doing concept. But when they saw the Budweiser thing, that's an, on a national level. They're like, oh, that How You Doing commercial. Like, of course, you're going to feel like you got robbed. So Johnny Cochran comes along and goes, you know what? We're going to go after them. We're going to go after whoever was responsible for that air campaign. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to call it How You Suing. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to run with that because you guys made it a product and they just came along and been like, oh, we're going to take that and make it. No, that, that's, that's not how it works. Back then, it was easy to kind of like steal, I guess, intellectual property. Now today, with, any, with the internet, you go boop, 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 boop. You go right in there. No, done. Let, let's talk so, a little bit about your acting career. 
So that all, all those heartaches of dealing with that because Let, the whole how you do it thing. Ex exactly. Well, it's exactly because you you know you keep your head down, you move forward, you be like, all right, you want you want you know you you kind of like you know you did me wrong on that. It's all good. It's all right. But you learn. You live and learn. Cliche. You live and learn, and you just keep on moving forward and persevering. Another person would probably be like, you know what, this is bullshit. I'm like, I'm getting out of it. I don't want to deal with that because there's a lot of heartache and a lot of like doors that get closed, and there's a lot of stuff that's not gonna you know, go your way, but you have to look at every, and I don't, want, I don't want to call it a failure, but you have to look at every, um, whether they want to call it a failure or um, in your eye, maybe not call it a success, but everything that happens, if it doesn't happen the way you think it should happen, learn from it because every failure is actually a success, if that makes sense. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah, but it's, no. not, it's not like, okay, so that didn't work out. That wasn't a failure. That actually moved the needle a little bit. It got me to There's the no next. There's no such thing as failure. No, as long I don't. As you're taking no. something from it or learning something. Abs from it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I could sit here and say, you know what? Yeah, I was the pioneer of like, you know, I, I can name a dozen people that are using that. You know, Wendy Williams is using How You Doing Now. Sal the Voice. From, I love Joe from, Joe, from, Joe from Friends. Like everyone's like using How You Doing. Twenty years later, everyone's still like How You Doing. Social media today, I see you know younger generation. How You Doing? Like like. So you Us, guys were the first ones to really. We were put the first it? ones. Well, we were the first ones to make it a product. Like it was a product. It was a shirt that you could actually buy at St. Gennaro. It was a CD you could buy at St. Gennaro. Called How You Doing Yankees. So we made it a product, but we were, you know, we we went with the, I guess, with the flow of like getting us uh, looked at, but we were more deeper as artists and filmmakers and as actors. Which again, to your to your point, has gotten me to the point where, you know, it opens up doors, but then you really want to be seen as. Well, this is what we're really capable of doing as like actors or filmmakers or yeah. artists. No, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it helped you like get. No, no, on track, I don't. So. Well, you know, I we, we joke around because you know me and Carmine, uh, mainly because like we're, we're best friends. We're working on a, a, a TV uh, uh, a series right now, a short form series based on a pilot that we both co-created with another producing partner of ours in Hermosa Beach, and we basically we laugh about it, but like we laugh. We're like, you know, how you doing? Should have really like kind of like made us like extremely rich it made us money to live but it wasn't like you know hitting that it was a home run at the time but this is 1999 there's no itunes we can't sell it on itunes there's you can't no sell it on itunes now now you, you can but again it's a part of a record company and a record label and is all it that. on like, itunes yeah yeah you can find it on yeah. itunes yeah yeah but again, back then, like if we sold it on our own on iTunes, it's like a whole different ballgame. It's a crazy. It's like back, you know, we called it packages.com because we actually put it in a, in, a, in a package and mailing it out. Like, isn't it, you think about that now? Yeah. It's like you, you know, you could you could just go download it and pay ninety nine cents. It's like can't it's crazy. Stress enough, like I so ahead of the game. It's oh, crazy. it's like it was. Like, we we laugh about it, but um, right time. Wrong place or wrong place, right time. There's always there's always a reason behind everything all the time. It's like everything happens for a reason. It it, it takes you to that next level of like you know working on, on other things. You know, nah, it makes sense. Real quick, I'm just gonna plug in our uh, our uh, give me a break right here. So this is this week's segment of give me a break. As part of the uh, give me a break segment here on Growing Up Italian the podcast, I want to give a big shout out to Kima the restaurant. In Roslyn at 1446 Old Northern Boulevard to the Angelitis family for always being very supportive. Thank you. We're back. That, uh, come on, it looks good. We got to go there, G. <laughs> it's time to, you know, I've heard about it. I've seen all over Instagram. Kima is the... Uh, is it Kamai yeah. or Kima? Kima. Kima, Kima okay. which, is, which means uh, uh, wave in Greek. Wave. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. So let's, let's talk about your acting. Acting, filmmaker, director... I mean, if I had a list of everything you do, it would be like Santa Claus, I think. <laughs> you know? Um, you do a little bit of everything, man. I admire that, you know? Not keeping yourself in a bottle and, uh, you know, doing whatever you want. Well, back, um, I guess, uh, you know, I was always told, well, I was, again, you, you um, people I try to, like, tell you this is the way it should be or you conform to, like, you think what it should be or whatever, like, the next person's doing, you kind of follow that routine, right? Um, I guess back then I was always, or even again to this day, or even back then, uh, I was always working on like a dozen things. Like I was like, you know, but if I was working on a dozen things, I would make sure that I followed through on a dozen things. But I always got, when I say always got, whether it be whoever it was from, 
you gotta concentrate on one thing. You gotta focus on one thing. Yeah, man. Focus that's on a complete thing. opposite. You gotta focus. You gotta focus on one thing. And I was like, yeah, no, but like, I, I, I feel like I got my, my, I, I'm grasping that I can multitask. Like I can, you know, you know, juggle a few things. And I've always had that mentality of like, all right, well, I love acting, but I also love being like, you know, behind the scenes and what and working with actors and. I love what happens behind the scenes uh, technically and I love the marketing that goes into you know pushing a product whatever it may be and I always kind of like saw that I came from the school of you know self-taught filmmaker but took acting classes but also thought that this is the way I I, I see it like I see the product I want to market it this way and then we'll kind of like get it out there into the marketplace now 30 years later with social media with what's going on with how people are doing things renaissance woman renaissance man it's like real savvy to be that person i was already that person like 30 years ago but that's just how i was cut like like that was i was cut from a certain cloth of like this is how i always wanted to do things like i didn't want to just learn one thing i want to i want to know a little bit about that i want to learn more about that i want to know about that i want to learn more about that and for me it all feels like it kind of like came together you know like you know the acting is fantastic but it also got me to a point of you know that didn't just like happen overnight either i had kind of like you know hit the pavement i was working in you know the corporate world and going on auditions and studying acting and doing radio and you know trying to get on radio do radio bits what was so, like your big break you think that like made you say like okay i could take acting and do it full time 2006 I, I you know like I'll never forget it like I was uh, working for corporate America I was working for Verizon I was making a I, I, I must have been there maybe a couple of months I'm sitting at my desk I'm making great money and I'm like it's 2006 and it's like June July of 2006 and I had some friends living in, in LA and I'm like uh, um, I'm like you know I'm like what am I doing like I'm at my desk and I'm like it's 2006 I went through the you know I was married once um, yeah, I didn't have kids at the time, and I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm like, I'm in the corporate world, I got a shirt and tie on, but I've taken acting classes, I had it, had some minor successes in the, the music, radio world, radio gigs, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I, you know, I worked on a couple of acting gigs as well, and I'm like, what am I doing? I'm like, I just basically packed it all up, two bags, put money in my pocket, went out to LA. Like without even thinking about it, my friend was like, "Oh, I super." You were just challenge. like, like chasing something, like or did you no? Just I just want. I was there? like, he was like, he was like, "Oh, I got some friends out here, but don't worry about." It. I'm like, I go, I'm not coming out there to be an actor. I go, I'm doing it here in New York. I just want to get out there. I want to live by the by the beach in Santa Monica. As a kid, I always like you know loved L.A. and like I would read about it in papers and like you know magazines. I'm like I live by the beach for a couple of months. I'll find my way. You know, old school kid like you know my parents like leaving my parents was a big deal. But I was like, you know what? I gotta get out of New York for a how while. long? How long were you in LA for? So I went to LA in 2006, and then I left there in 2012. But from 2006 to about 2008, to get back to your question of how I kind of like feel like I got my foot in the door, so I wind up going to LA. In about 2008, um, I had a VHS tape with the with the, the the projects that I've worked on in TV and film here in New York. Like a reel? On a VHS. So now I got to go and take that in 2008, 2009 and convert it to a DVD. DVD. And then my roommate at the time, who I bunked in with uh, after about staying uh, a couple of years in L.A., and it was like 2008, was Paul Gennaro in West Hollywood. And Paulie... I see him in clubhouse yeah, rooms. And, with, and he, with he, take, he takes my tape, he converts it to DVD, he puts it in his Mac at the time, and he goes, oh, we're going to upload it to like YouTube. And I'm like, YouTube? Okay, cool. What's YouTube? He's like, oh, it's been out for a couple of years. Like, they got this going on. You can do the hashtag, this and that. And he's pretty savvy with it. So he puts it up on YouTube, and I'm going, all right, all right, cool, whatever. And this is like 2008, 2009. I'm like, YouTube's like out, what, four years at the time, right? Not, probably years. not even. Not even, right? I usually see things up on YouTube so for like 12 years. So I go, holy shit. I go, wait a second. I'm like, fucking YouTube. I'm like, that's like internet shit. And like, I left my number on my VHS tape on my cell that I had for like the longest time. And I go, wait a second. They're gonna, it's going to be on the internet. Someone like watches it on YouTube. They're gonna see my phone number. They're gonna call me up. That's fucked up. That's not cool. I was like, all right, whatever, forget it. You know, like you know, whatever. You know, it's out there now, whatever. So, he uploads it onto YouTube, and about three months after that, I get a phone call from uh, a writer who, at the time, was just getting off a job as the editor of The Onion, 
And he goes, I just finished a movie called The Wrestler that I wrote. And I was the editor of The Onion, and I wrote this new um, uh, film uh, called Big Fan. And it's, it's going to be starring Patton Oswalt, and you look like Patton Oswalt's brother. And I found your reel on YouTube. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I, I kept on punching in like Italian character actor, Italian uh, ethnicity uh, artist, actor, and your reel kept on popping up on YouTube. And I go, yeah, okay, whatever. And I thought it was one of my buddies, like, fucking with me. Like, no, this is a joke. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I was on my way to a bartending job in Beverly Hills. And I go, this is a joke. Pretty much tell him to go fuck off. He calls me back. He goes, no, 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 for real. I wrote uh, a movie called The Wrestler. I go, oh, shit, The Wrestler? No one knew The Wrestler because being that I love movies so much, I knew that they were filming The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke because I was a Mickey Rourke fan. I knew about the movie. Not everybody knew about the movie. So because I just wound up doing this movie called The Wrestler and we're going in right away to do this movie called Big Fan. He basically offers me the role of Patton Oswalt's brother in Big Fan on the phone. After on I the said, spot. On the spot, on the phone. I said, my parents, he goes, oh, you're not, you're not in New York? I go, no, I'm in L.A. He goes, but you have a 917 number. I go, no, I'm, in New, uh, I'm from New York, but I live in L.A. Uh, he goes, ah, it's a low-budget movie. I go, no, no, no. I go, if you're offering me the role on the phone, like without even auditioning me, and you just saw my clips, I go, I'll, I'll buy a ticket. I'll, li- you know, I'll stay with my parents. They're in Queens, and I'll come do the movie. First day of the shoot on this movie, I'm changing in Staten Island in a car, in a car. I'm changing in the car. I think I, I got paid like 200 bucks a day. I worked on it for like four or five days. The movie gets into Sundance the following year for Best Picture, up against Precious, that Oprah's movie that she bought. And it winds up Pre- oh, getting... Oh, Precious. Precious is a good movie. The yeah. Fa- yeah. It's, yeah, that's a big movie. Yeah, yeah th- those were the two movies at Sundance. Big Fan wow. and Precious. Wow. 2009. So- a year later, Wrestler gets nominated for uh, Best Actor for Mickey Rourke. And like I was in that group of like, oh, he wrote Big Fan, directed Big Fan, he wrote The Wrestler. You were in the loop at the time. I was in the loop at the time because I decided after a string of luck, moving to LA in 06, meeting Paul, putting the the, the real VHS tape, converted to DVD, onto YouTube, with Paulie putting it on YouTube. These are all pieces of the puzzle. My my mother's like, you could be doing what you do here in New York than you're doing like LA. I'm like, no, 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 no. I moved to LA and that's how, that's like. That's one of the. I would not be in Big Fan. Big Fan would have been made today, but I would, you would probably, if I can go into a time machine, it'd be like, probably like Michael Imperioli or like somebody else would have got the role or whatever. I don't know. Like, that don't happen without like the, the uh, you know you want to call them movie gods TV gods however you know it's like you 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 take that leap of faith you f- you feel like this is the time to go to L A with a couple of you know shackles and fazools in my pocket go live on and a you, couch and you make it and you make it happen right exactly and 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 and, and then the rest kind of like fell into play. Let's talk about Cruise a little bit. I'm actually literally gonna watch that tonight, but uh, it's funny I didn't. You said to me like this guy is interviewing me. You don't. You don't. I'm, know gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull the Eddie Murphy from Trading Places. Like who? Tell <laughs> tell me about Cruz though. It sounds like it's uh, probably is it your favorite piece of? Uh, what you've well, done? well, I mean, you know what? It's um, you know, when I lived in L.A., I ran into always like great people that were filmmakers that I admired, like producers and directors, and they always said, "Be true to yourself. Be authentic to who you are." You know. Um, they even, you know, I would always be like, you know, I got a, you know, an Italian first name and an Italian last name. My legal name is almost worse, worse than trying to pr- pronounce Cologero, my legal name. Um, what, Caffarelli you saying? No, my first, my legal name is, is really not Gino. It's just like Gino is like what they call me. On my license, it's not well, what, 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 is it? Are you allowed to say what you're? Yeah, it's a G deal. Oh, yeah, a G deal, yeah. Yeah, that's a tough, I mean... For us, it, for me, it's tough. Imagine someone that doesn't speak Italian. No, I mean, picture me like being in like third grade and like and like all through grammar school, high school. You know, they didn't have like. What did know, they? How did they pronounce that? Well, they did. They, well, they they would always they, they they would always stop. They'd be like, and you'd be like, "That's me." I go and I would go. That that's um. They go, "How do you pronounce it?" I'm like, uh, "Egidio." They're like, "Egidio, Egidio, Aginzo." Dude, they called me Iggy in high school. Iggy? Yeah, my my my. Computer, Gino's better than Iggy. My, my computer. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah well, Gino's better. But 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 even like as a kid, they would just call me Gino. My mother would call me Gino. Like it's not Egidio. Egidio was my grandfather's name. That's my grandfather's name. Like Egidio. That's funny. Like my cousins in Toronto, Egidio. 
like you know another Egidio in like Italy like that's you know they, that's how it is in our thing. family too that's how it is you get named after yeah there's like know, three three Sabino Curcios you know so um but I worked on that film while I was living in LA they would always tell me like work on like you know you know authenticity like you know uh, um hold on to like your your roots your background how you grew up and I'm like I kind of like understood it but I didn't I'm like wait a second okay um, they like grasp your authenticity, like because, again, that's a whole you know another subject about being uh, you know Italian of Italian ethnicity and being an artist. It's a whole different. I mean, we can go on uh, on that in that rabbit go down that rabbit hole for a long time. But I basically started listening to some of these people, and they're like, you know, just you know, stay you know you know true to your roots, how you grew up, and I'm like, hmm. So I started writing about how I grew up in Queens, mm-hmm. and I wrote a pilot, and then I wound up sh- shooting something based on the pilot and then i wound up showing it to rob siegel who ultimately discovered me on youtube with big fan and i brought him my short story called franny lou which inspired the movie cruise and again it wasn't like it didn't you, know, you must be uploading clips on youtube every day if i was you i would <laughs> upload like stuff on youtube every day that's your that's like your good luck charm yeah I, I, well i mean but you know what i i love listening to youtube with music and stuff but he basically takes on the movie cruise and you know i connected dots and, and we the rest up is making history cruise, and we wind up making cruise and you know like again but that was a whole you know that was a, a you know that again that was a 10-year process like it goes from like a mock teaser to me writing a pilot and this is like 2011 you know 10 2009 10 11 and then 12 showing it to rob and then 13 you know getting it out there and then 15 getting it made to like 18 coming out that like that was like a 10-year journey and the reason being i'm very proud of that film is because you know i basically and 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 Catherine's character we basically pay my parents and the lead character is loosely based on me it's how i grew up in queens in 1987 like cruising around listening to music the beautiful times of like back in the day no social media mm-hmm. um the easy like it's a it's a crowd pleaser movie it's fun it's got that throwback music from the 80s that freestyle that we grew up with or 80s like music that was kind of like on the top of the charts back then it's a it's just a fun period of my life and will stand you know you know go to the, like the uh uh, stand the test of time because it's one of those movies that you'll appreciate for a long time. Yeah, I want I want to watch it's not, it. It's not it's not nothing to do with politics. It's got nothing to do with sending messages. It's just a fun. It's, it's a fun movie. It's like being like you know finding your first love in the summer of 1987. It's like a musical soundtrack. I like that. Movie. I like that. It's an homage to and and the and the Mets are in there too. We mentioned the Mets in there. Oh, nice. Movie. We're gonna check that out. So, um, Athena visits the marina. I wind up. How uh, did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Well, basic. Well, basically, uh, um, quarantine hits, right? Like we're like a, 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 we're in March now, right? So, basically, a year ago, a year ago right? Year, year year anniversary, right? Um, almost like to the date, right? Like, what is it like March twelfth? I think it was. It should be any it was day. Right around the time of St. Patrick's Day, so we're right like, there. Like St. Right Patrick's there, Day right? was like the last lick, right? Yeah. Actually, I think it was St. Patrick's Day. Oh, got canceled. canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, last yeah. year, so it was a little bit before that. So around this time. So basically, uh, I mean, everything kind of like shut down in the TV and film world. I mean, I had some stuff that I was developing on my own that we were going to shoot, and just everything kind of like you know, you know, stopped in its tracks due, due to the to the virus. And I, I had already planned on doing a children's book inspired by my daughter, um, and just kind of like uh, I don't. It took really, as an opportunity to really like. It took run. me. It, it took me like an opportunity to dive into really you know um, you know completing the manuscript. And then submitting it to the publisher, and then working with the publisher on getting the right illustrator. And um, things moved a lot more quicker on that because I didn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, concentrating on more of, you know, um, you know, auditioning or working on the next TV or film gig that I was developing. Um, but I also, I was developing and turning the movie Cruise into a musical. Oh wow! Which was wild. And then as soon as I really got into the crux of like, I booked like five, six venues, like one in the Hudson Valley, one in Queens, one in Long Island, one in Jersey. I had like five venues booked and I was going to start casting and rehearsing. Um, and thank God it, it didn't get to that point where 
you know, we had to cancel shows, cancel shows or getting to the rehearsals and hiring actors. It happened right at the beginning of, we were just going to go after it. And then like, how are we going to put on like shows and live audience to like pandemic? And it was like, boom, we're dead. So then that's why I kind of like buried focus myself on that. focus on the book. So and, uh, it's, uh, your daughter, she has, she has like, a she was born, she was born, she was born with a hearing loss in, in, in both ears. Um, um, her name's Athena, and hence the, uh, the the title of the book, Athena Visits the Marina. And I thought of the idea, uh, I think it was around the same time we were about to film Cruise, which was like 2015, and I was in Athens, and we were driving by a marina, and I had my daughter in the car, and she had her hearing aids on, and I'm like, Athena, Marina, and I'm like, shit like always kind of like sticks with me for a while before I actually like follow through on it. So if it becomes an idea, and I always tell people if it's an idea, an idea just stays there unless you water it and let it grow. So that stayed with me for a little while, and then I started. Did you have to write this idea down, or you just always? No, it, it kind of was just with me all the time. I was like Athena and Marina, and I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool idea. Um, I'm like, um, maybe I could pitch it as an animated thing. But I've been, no, nah, no, nah, I already pitched an animated thing four years before that, which was like 2011, which was which I'm converting back. Uh, it's coming back after 10 years into a podcast. I, I basically already went down that rabbit hole, like pitching an animated show. So I'm like, you know. I don't really know about the animated world. I know about, you know, the film world and the TV world, but I, I love the book world, the kids' book world, because I started taking my kid to, like, the bookstores, uh, Barnes & Nobles, and I would start doing my, my research and my due diligence, and I would start researching books on kids and, like, what worked and what rhyme books and story books and third-person narrative books, and I started doing my homework, and little by little, I was doing more homework on, on the subject, and I'm like, wow, there's not too, not too many books about little kids or a little girl that awaits hearing aids. So then it started clicking. I'm like, okay, Athena, the marina, it's about a little girl, true to life. My daughter, she wakes up, routine, puts hearing aids on. She calls them all betters because they make them hear, make her hear better. She does this on her morning routine. I was like, okay, we could just make a really general book about her daily routine. But on that weekend, when she doesn't have the daily routine of going to school, she goes to the marina, so marina like and that, she yeah. communicates with sea animals via her hearing aids because hearing aids amplify sound, yeah. and amplifying sound like they they hear like stuff that we can. stuff that we can hear, but it also is amplified. And in the beginning of the book, I wanted to put in a beautiful little segment called uh, the thirteen cool words to look out for in the book, and one of them is, is amplify. And my daughter always can't pronounce that word when she reads the book. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, what amplify, amplify. What does that mean? And she reads How old is Athena? She's going to be eight in May. Okay. God bless. So it was really, it was just really uh, um, a project that just kind of organically came together. Um, So if anybody's interested in this, because I mean, I know a couple people that, you know, have something similar, whether it's one ear or both, you know. So Athena visits... Athena visits the marina.com. And if you actually go to that site, which is a, is a Shopify site that I have someone kind of like running, they'll they'll send out a free gift. Uh, It's on Amazon. It's on, you know, in, in, in order direct, but if you order directly through that, you, you get a little perk, you get a free bracelet that glows in the dark on one side. It says hearing loss awareness, uh, which is again, why the book was made because I want to bring more awareness to kids that are born with a hearing loss. And then on the other side, it says uh, Athena visits the marina.com, a new children's book by, by me, Gino Caffarelli. Again, I, I find it funny when people say, oh, you're an author now. I'm like, author? Like, kind of weird. It doesn't really kind of like resonate with me, but I'm like, it's true. Like, no, you do. Um, you're a man of many talents. I didn't, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't set out to be an author of a children's book. It kind of like it just, just it's happened. Hap- happened that way. And uh, I'm actually ghostwriting and packaging another uh, kid's book uh, for a client and a, and a friend of mine. Uh, uh, called The Adventures of, of Connie the Purple Bus. And that's going to focus on, um, it's going to target uh, appendicitis. So it's kind of like another message through a book. Um, so it's I like that. It's, so you're, you're like, not only are you just writing, you know, children's books, but you're actually, you know, promoting. Informing. Well, uh, inform, informing through awareness and like stuff like that. Again, I, you know, for me, like, again, you know, when I put my whole, my, my, my heart and soul into a project, Especially something like this, like a book that's inspired by my so daughter. It just it hits home, and just like again, I just wanted to, you know, this again. It's it's a book that will be out there like forever now. So like you know, like again, we don't again. I I know people don't like to talk about it, but we you know, everyone doesn't live forever, and 
you know, eventually you don't want to leave legacies behind yep, for You're for definitely people. leaving a legacy. And I want to leave like the, that legacy for my daughter. And, and she reads the book and she gets it and she's getting it even more of like what, like her, what her dad does. He, like, he wrote a book and well, I, I've seen him on like on this and the guy, cause I play clips for her and she's like, Oh, that's you daddy. And she says, I do that with my kids, but except with she, podcasts. She, 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 <laughs> she sees like, Oh my God, I was in, I was in, um, I was in Target recently. Oh my God, it was so cute. My, my daughter, like, and, I, and I'm not even paying attention because I'm like, because we're going through the toy section, but the toy section in Target was close to like the DVD section. But for me, it's, there's, there's no, in my head, there's no DVD section anymore because everything is streaming, right? Yeah. But there's still a DVD section at the store in Target, right? So it was like right next to the toy section and it was, the, she, saw the, she saw the Capone DVD. Oh, you're on the car. Right? Well, no, but it's it says the movie Capone, and she remembers it from being on TV the, on the oh, streamer. Amazon. And she's like, "Look, Daddy Capone," and I'm, and I'm like, "Oh, well, it's like," and she goes, <laughs> "Who's in that?" She goes, "You." I'm like, "Oh, so it's like it's just funny to like, you know, like uh, she's you know you 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 see that she's starting to get she's starting to understand like what her dad does, which is amazing. No, it's, that's gotta that's be the best like, feeling. Yeah, I you know like like especially working on a show now, or working what like what I'm working on now. Like I wish I could just take it to work, but it's like it's a different world now because of the pandemic yeah. and there's just so many restrictions. You will you'll be able to eventually. Yeah, you know. Listen, yeah. but that's, on that that's note, the it, on yeah. that note, there's no better way to end this than that. If you are interested in purchasing his book, we'll put um, the link to the website in his bio. Please like if you guys want to learn more give awareness it's a perfect book if you know somebody that deals with this and you get again you get the free bracelet that glows in the dark that's a little little bonus yeah what's better than that (laughs) awesome little glow in the dark bracelet thank you guys all bonanotte bonanotte